CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Action-packed week and action-packed show planned for you today, lieutenants. Had a fantastic visit going from one cigar city, that would be the cigar city of Tampa, to the other cigar city down in Miami, where I had the opportunity to visit with many of the great cigar manufacturers. I can tell you they are slammed. They are already working on great new cigars to launch, not only at the IPCPR Cigar Retailers Convention in mid-July in Las Vegas, but even before that. There are a ton of new releases coming out in February and March and in uh, April and in May. And, of course, we will have all the information for you. I also caught a magnificent movie that left me pretty much speechless. Almost, almost, but not quite. 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. And we'll also be joining our diversion segment in our two Dutch Mandel of Auto Week as we talk the Detroit Auto Show. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. America's Alpha Male. Front and center. Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A. And we welcome you. And I remind you, don't forget to follow me on our, uh, not only at CigarDave.com. And by the way, Sergeant Steve has uh, put up, we have launched, I think this is like version, I want to say like 14.5 of the CigarDave.com website, but uh, we've updated it, keeping things fresh and spruced up, a little bit easier to navigate, always trying to make it the latest and greatest for you. So check out the new CigarDave.com, and also don't forget to follow me on uh, social media, Twitter, at CigarDaveShow, or Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. All right, lieutenants, first up, I want to talk to you about an item that occurred this week as it uh, pertains to the election. And I get a kick out of now that Donald, first of all, everybody said Donald Trump can't win. Donald Trump's a showman. He's a carnival barker. He's a reality TV star, ignoring the fact that he is a successful business person, a successful developer. Has he had his lumps along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Did he have some tough times uh, back in a number of uh, of uh, recessions? You better believe it. And multiple uh, casinos and hotels and companies he had. Some went through Chapter 11. The others uh, went through a structured workout with numerous banks. And he was actually on a budget. I think he had to. Uh, I think his budget was five million a, a year of what his personal expenditures could be. And the old saying is when uh, you owe the bank a million dollars, no, when you owe the bank 100000 you don't sleep. When you owe the bank $100 billion or $100 million or $1 billion, the bank doesn't sleep. And they actually had a number of it, uh, times where they had to work things out with Trump, but he came out on the other side, certainly uh, successful. But no person in business or in life ever goes through smooth sailing 100% of the time. That's just not reality. But when he started this campaign, people 
We're negative. He can't win. This is a sideshow. This is a circus. This is a freak show. He'll never win. The establishment went after him, and now all of a sudden he is absolutely kicking it in all the polls. In Iowa this week, new poll released, he's up over Cruz. In New Hampshire, he's got a big lead. In Florida, 48% lead. And now there's still a number of these supposed conservatives and evangelicals and establishment that are going after Trump saying, can't win, he doesn't have the the temperament, He is he's in, in flames and enrages people. All excuses, lieutenants. All excuses. And I've always believed this, and I've experienced this personally, that when you are honest with people, when you are candid, when you are truthful, in most cases, they view that as offensive. People view honesty as being offensive. And that's not the case because so many people are used to hearing things sugarcoated that when you tell somebody an honest statement, especially when they ask for you to be honest, they take great offense at that. So Donald Trump is being honest. And the honest truth is that you can't tell the difference today between a Democrat, a Republican, a liberal, or a conservative. They're all on the take. They're all shady. They've all been a disaster in Washington, any way you look at it. So any way you look at it, they have not uh, done the job. And so Donald Trump now is being bashed for not being conservative enough. Why? Well, number one, he's in the past supported Planned Parenthood because he's changed his views on different social issues and that uh, he donated to the Hillary campaign and to the, and to the Clinton Institute. Well, when you're in business, guess what? you got to play both sides. And it happens in the cigar business. It happens in the real estate business. It happens in every business that is regulated in this country. It is a fantasy or a fallacy to think that you can only play with one party. Now, personally, I will tell you that I donated to Senator Bill Nelson of Florida when early on we were taking on the FDA, the enemies of cigars, the enemies of pleasure. We had a fundraiser for him in uh, in Tampa or Miami. I can't remember. And I was asked to write a check. And so I did for the cause. But it bothered me to do it because I knew that Bill Nelson is a terrible senator. Bill Nelson comes off as, I'm just a friendly good old goober guy here from Florida. You know, I was in space. But he's as seedy as the rest of them. Don't be fooled. So I gave to a Democrat. And then when they came back for more and he didn't help us, I said, screw him. I'm done. Not going to do it. So people are going after Donald Trump 10 different ways till Sunday. And earlier this week, on uh, Newsmax TV, I didn't even know. I know what Newsmax is. I've seen their website, but I didn't know they had Newsmax TV. So I went online to find out, where do I find Newsmax TV? And I am a DirecTV subscriber, so sure enough, it's on DirecTV. But it's not available as an HD channel, only standard definition. So what does that tell you? They only put it on and carry it as a standard def channel, not even as high def. So you know it can't be a great channel. I think Al Jazeera America was low def too, as I call it. Not standard def, I call it low def. Well, on a show hosted by Ed Berliner, I think he was a sportscaster at one time, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've heard him on, I don't know, the NBC radio network or somewhere along the line. I didn't know he did television. He has a show called The Hardline that airs on Newsmax TV. And on it, he had a guest, John Stemberger, who is the founder of the Florida Family Policy Council. Now, I love all these people. I'm 
part of the family foundation, the family organization, the family this, the family that. These are the same people that we've seen, just like these uh, evangelical preachers that stand up and say, you are a sinner and you have to cleanse your sins and you have to give to make sure we can spread the gospel and the word. And what happens? They're out banging two hookers in a threesome in a seedy motel room. We've seen that story and that act before many times. So every time I see these people saying, oh, we believe in the family, and we believe in this, I take them with a grain of salt. I really don't take them that seriously. But uh, this John Stemberger was asked, but here's what Ed Berliner, here's how he started off this interview. And just as soon as I heard this interview, I knew it was going to be negative towards Donald Trump. Donald Trump is just like any other politician when it comes to seeking votes. He'll say he loves everyone every time and will immediately change the subject when his caustic comments about women, Muslims, Mexicans, and the physically challenged are brought up. And he also tries to be everything to everyone, as witnessed this week at Liberty University, when a man who claims to have a close relationship with God seemed to be clueless about the origination of a biblical verse. Ooh, he didn't know a biblical verse. I couldn't name a biblical verse. I mean, how many people know every single verse? How many people know can quote a specific book or, or even if you're an accountant or a lawyer, do you know every single law? Do you know every single uh, IRS regulation? No. But they make this big deal that, oh, if you don't know every single verse, and maybe Trump's mistake was even quoting a verse or just he should have said as it's written in the Bible. And people are making a big deal. Is he a godly man? Is he really one of us? And I just say enough of this nonsense. It's It's ridiculous. Is he a conservative? Is he conservative enough? From all these clowns that say they're conservatives, but they don't practice conservative principles. And I'll give you a quick case in point before we get to this next soundbite. And that is when Terry Schiavo, who was uh, in a vegetative state here in Florida, Jeb Bush was the governor. There was her husband and her parents. Her parents wanted her to stay on a, on a, a, a ventilator an artificial uh, life support. Her husband said that's not her wishes. She was in a vegetative state for I don't know how many years, eight years, five years, ten years, whatever it was. She wasn't going to get better. And I feel badly that the parents couldn't see that. It's a tough decision, and, and no person should have to make that decision. However, when the courts ruled, then all of a sudden we saw Tom DeLay in the House of Representatives try to or did pass some sort of law, and then Jeb Bush, the governor at the time, passes a law to try to overrule the uh, what what the judge ruled in the case. Now, if you're a true conservative, that means less government stay out of the way. So all these people that profess to be true conservatives are full of bull, because they do want to interfere in your life, and they do want to get in your bedroom, and they do want to make things tough for you in many ways. So they are hypocritical, just like the taxocrats. So this is what John Stemberger of the Florida Family Council, Policy Council, had to say, talking about Donald Trump and how he had issues and what the biggest predictor of a candidate, what his real character and personality is going to be if he's elected. The best predictor of who a candidate's going to be is his past behavior, his record, his statements. And his statements are deplorable uh, in terms of the kind of issues that Christians are concerned about, favors Planned Parenthood, the good stuff of Planned Parenthood in favor of gay marriage, uses the F word openly and other four-lettered obscene words, not just cursing, but obscenities that the FCC would have to bleep out. I mean, this is this is a man who's very undisciplined with his tongue, okay. and it's going to be a disaster. <gasps> he uses the F word in obscenities. Oh, my goodness. What a, what, what a disaster. I mean, listen, I speak three fluent languages, lieutenants. English, sarcasm, and eloquent profanity. And I'm proud of all three. 
So he uses profanity. So he uses the F word. Who cares? I want, I'm not electing a saint. I'm electing someone that's going to stand up for this country with a big giant set of alpha male nads and take on the enemies and do what is necessary to turn this country around. I don't want a saint. I want a leader. General Patton was not a saint, but he was a damn effective general and a damn effective leader. So I do get a kick out of these people saying, oh, the F word, and, and, and he's, planned, he, he's supported the good parts of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, they support birth control. You want people running around with 20 other kids that they can't afford that you and I have to pay for? Get serious. So screw you, conservatives. You're full of baloney. And I say we are all in for Donald Trump because he's one of us. He's an alpha male. He doesn't apologize. And he is straightforward with no bull, and that's exactly what we appreciate, what we like. And when he tells the truth and I tell the truth, if you can't handle it, that is too effing bad. Oop, I'm probably going to get a, uh, a, a, a nasty letter from the Florida Family Policy Council. Don't worry, I'll live. Lieutenants, we will celebrate the good life with a national cigar and libation ceremony right around the corner. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. conversation with Rocky Patel about the vintages. The vintages. I sought out to find some of the oldest, rarest wrappers in the world. The 1990, 92, and 99 vintages are very special. You got three different wrappers on three great cigars. The 90 is a 12-year-old broadleaf wrapper. The 92 is a 10-year-old Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. And the 1999 is a gorgeous, golden, 7-year-old Connecticut wrapper. Three beautiful, mild to medium-bodied cigars. Tons of flavor, yet elegant and well-balanced. Great fermentation on tobacco. You're going to love it. The beauty about the vintages is that they draw great, they burn perfectly, and you can smoke them down to the last inch. You can't go wrong with any vintage. Every cigar, from the beginner to the aficionado, great masterpieces for your humidor. I hope you love it. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you nobody works harder to make a better cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. If you're like millions of cigar buffs, you've enjoyed a love affair with Romeo y Julieta. 
your passion has made it the world's best-known brand, trusted to deliver an excellent mild smoke. But now, you're ready for something new and avant-garde, something bolder with more panache. Now, there's Romeo by Romeo y Julieta, a modern, fuller-bodied smoke created to lead an exciting new trend in luxury cigars. Romeo is our finest Romeo y Julieta, an awesome manly smoke, robust and rich in complex flavor sensations. Each leaf is carefully selected, delicately aged, and meticulously crafted by expert hands full of wisdom and tenderness. Hands with decades of experience, culminating in an unforgettable smoke. Your first Romeo will blow you away. The passion you've always felt will soar to new heights. You'll discover the passion that burns within. Visit The Cigar Life on Facebook and Twitter. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. An unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Lightation Maneuvers. Well, this week I went to the other cigar city, Miami, South Florida, and spent time with, uh, geez, about a half dozen cigar manufacturers talking about some new projects they're working on. Some they've given me info, some they swore me to confidentiality. Well, one of the stops that I made was over to El Titan de Brands, one of the great boutique cigar manufacturers, not only in the United States, not only in Miami, but in the entire world. Fifteen grade-A Cuban rollers, and uh, the proprietor, the owner, is Sandy Cobas, who I've known for a long time, and uh, just a wonderful lady, tremendously hospitable. I always go in figuring I would be in for a half an hour, say hello, have a cigar, have a Cafe Cubano, catch up with Sandy. Next thing you know, three and a half later, I'm still there. Three and a half hours, I'm still there. And uh, just had a magnificent time, incredibly hospitable. They make incredible cigars. And they make, in addition to their own line, their El Titan de Brands line, but they also make cigars for some pretty well-known manu- pretty well-known distributors and, and brands, including La Palina, Chinook Cellars, a couple other ones that they're working on, top-shelf cigars. Great tobacco, great rollers. Sandy's got a great crew. They've expanded since I've been there. If you're ever in Miami, just go see them. Coyote Southwest 8th Street and 11th Avenue. Tell Sandy and tell everyone the general sent you. They'll treat you great. So I've got the El Titan de Bronze Redemption My Way. And when her son-in-law, Willie Herrera, uh, left to go become the master blender at Drew Estate, Sandy said, well, now it's my turn. It's my way. And I'm going to do things my way, some blends my way. So she came up with her own blend. It is a magnificent-looking cigar. I've got the Corona size in my hand. And what's very unique about this particular cigar is that the cap is a bun. It's a pigtail that's twisted, looks like a bun. On the foot, it is uh, uncut. Not only is it uncut, it's unfinished, which is very unique as well. We've got pictures. We posted the wrapper is Ecuador Habano. The filler is Nicaraguan, and the binder is Nicaragua Jalapa. Cannot wait to get to this beautiful dark wrapper. Smells incredible. The El Titan de Bronze Redemption, my way, my cigar of choice today. 
cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Well, I've got my double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready. Although, wait a minute. I don't need it today because it's got the bun on the top. So I'm not going to use my double-edged guillotine. I'm going to use my index finger and my thumb to pull the bun and the cap. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. One of the other stops I made was over to uh, my good buddies over at Alec Bradley. And before I left, their uh, VP of Sales and longtime friend, Master Chief George Sosa, said, General, here, take one of the Alec Bradley, the burner table cigar lighters. Looks like a teapot. It's very cool. It's got uh, like a handle with a little with a little igniter. Then on the other side, there's like a long screw. And on the top, almost looks like what you'd see on a gas stove top range. Very cool way to light your cigar. That's what I would use today. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right. I just removed the cap, the bun. I will now toast the foot. Listen to this. You can hear that. Beautiful. I mean, it, it, I'm telling you, you could cook a, uh, a pot of soup on this thing. This is incredible. And a uh, unfinished foot. On this LT Tonda Bronze Redemption My Way, let me puff and rotate. Oh, great. Mm, what a draw. Mm, magnificent. Mm. Wow. Great flavor. Smooth, great draw. I'll tell you, all their rollers there at LT Tonda Bronze, incredible. And in fact, Sandy and I are working on a couple of blends that she wants to make just for my personal consumption. So we sat there and tried about six different blends. We're going to tweak things. I'll let you know how they turn out. And I'm now pouring some of my Millennium Corvassier Millennium 2000 Cognac. I will show you a picture. And in fact, a number of years ago, the cork, part of the cork actually fell into the Cognac. I've got about a quarter of the bottle left. I will take a sniff of this. Beautiful. Very smooth. Take a sip. Mmm. Wow. Nice spice. Nice fruitiness. Perfect accompaniment to my LT Dunn to Bronze Redemption My Way. Janelle Rosenfeld, Yasmin Ozone Shul from Altatus. Join us next. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the Perla Del Mar by J.C. Newman. It features a silky Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper and a diverse blend of Nicaraguan long fillers from four different regions. This provides a unique combination which makes for a smooth, creamy, and satisfying smoke. Discover life's treasures. Discover Perla Del Mar. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. 
brown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. If you'd like to join the alpha male conversational maneuvers, call me during the live show, Saturdays 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-DAVE-007. That's Saturdays 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-328-3007. Cigar Dave's annual Super Snacks for the Super Bowl is Saturday, February 6th at noon Eastern. Get ready for the game, the Alpha Male Way, with cigars, libations, and lots of meat. Get all the details at CigarDave.com. The general front and center, I'm at Altadas World Headquarters down in Fort Lauderdale. My pleasure to welcome Janelle Rosenfeld, longtime friend and guest of the Cigar Dave show, and we've got... The guru, Yasmin Ozonshul, who is joining us, brand manager for all the Altadas products. And uh, ladies, it is a delight to be here, and you have been quite busy since the last IPCPR convention. We have, Dave. We're always uh, looking for new concepts, um, innovative tobaccos, and we've got a lot of great stuff coming forward. It's exciting. So much that I'm, not, I'm sworn to secrecy on about half of it, but... Starting uh, later this month, as well as into next month, the end of March, a lot of new products. And uh, Yasmin, you have been very busy, and one of the products you've been working on is what I'm looking at here. I talked about it last week, the brand-new Henry Clay Stock. Yes, you're right. We recently uh, launched the product, and it is available now in our retailers. Um, and Stock Cut is what we have done. We have launched Henry Clay Pete Johnson during IPCPR, which sold in four hours the first day. And then what we did with Henry Clay Stock Cut by Grupo de Maestros is the building on that success and bringing that unique blend to our consumers. And when you started your uh, statement, you said, I'm right. You'll be saying that a lot. <laughs> I don't mind saying that, Dave. <laughs> you're making your, your first radio appearance, your broadcast appearance. People could see you on some of the videos that, uh, that we shot from the IPCPR last, what was it, July in New Orleans. But the first time you're appearing on the show, so great to have you. It's an honor. It really is. It, the pleasure is all yours. No, I'm kidding. The pleasure is mine, too. We, we, as you can see, we always have a good time because that's what really cigars and libations and camaraderie is all about. So the Henry Str- Clay stock cut. Janelle, this is very unique because of how the entire plant is cut and the Connecticut broadleaf has grown on your farm in Connecticut. That's right. We still grow uh, tobacco on our farms in the Connecticut River Valley. Um, The stock cut is a sun-grown Connecticut seed. And what makes it special, as you said, is we cut the tobacco at the base of the tobacco and then we turn uh, the plant upside down in the curing barns 
so that the oils and things can flow into the leaves, making it very flavorful. Um, it's a really, really uh, lovely tobacco to work with, and it's a great tobacco to smoke. Um, almost naturally sweet. I love it. Yeah, and, and what's interesting, it's sweet, but there's a lot of flavor. It's a very rich cigar. It's very complex, very rich. Um, we just finished smoking one, and um, I smoked it to the very end. It's fantastic. It's very good, and I like the square press. I really like that uh, nice box square press. feels very good in there. Yeah, it's actually, we call it our traditional Henry Clay press. So it's, it's not a tight square press. It's, we press the cigars together in the bundle in the box. You know, Henry Clay's a brand that's been around for a long time, Janelle. And as you said, Henry Clay really has had a cult-like following. And when you did the Pete Johnson Henry Clay, you did a limited edition run. You kind of brought it back. But this Henry Clay stock cut now will be, and I like it, it's 21st century package. I love the gray. You don't see that color. It combines some of the traditional with some of the 21st century hip look, if you will. Right. It, it's a beautiful box. It's very classy looking and yet modern, as you say. And this is an ongoing brand for us. It's uh, going into the stores now, and we'll continue producing it. All right. And on this flavor profile, medium to full, how many sizes? We have three sizes. We have a Grand Corona, which is a 46 by 6. A Toro, a Toro, 54 by 6, and a Robusto, 50 by 5. And the price range is between $8 to $8.50. And I love the Grand Corona because it has a wonderful, we call it pigtail gruesa, which is a thick, uh, wonderful, curly uh, pigtail at the top. And all of these cigars are what we call rough finish so the foot is an unfinished foot which is a great way to light a cigar and it's interesting how you age these there's a unique aging process uh you age them in bundles yes that's right we age them in bundles in the cedar cedar room and they're packed uh this is what 20 box 20 and they're packed in two bundles of 10 correct it's, it's a great fun cigar to smoke when you open the box so you have this wonderful pre presentation of the cigars and the bundles it's great so on the wrapper, it is a, a dark Connecticut Broadleaf Vintage 2012. The binder is a Dominican Piloto Vintage 2010. The filler, Dominican Olor Vintage 2012. A lot of vintages here. Dominican Piloto Vintage 2012 and a Nicaraguan Criollo Vintage 2013. Every single piece of uh, cigar tobaccos is a vintage year. Yeah, that's right. We wanted to do something very special. This is reminiscent of our original Henry Clays, which are still on the market with these great vintage tobaccos. There is a very big announcement. You're hearing it for the first time, a brand new tobacco called Jarguera. Yasmin, you thought I wasn't going to pronounce it correctly. You started lip syncing it. What did you, you know, not know who you're dealing with? Come on, Dave. We practiced for almost 30 minutes to get you pronounce it right. I had it on the second take. Come on. I, 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 as soon as you told me, it, 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 it's spelled with a Y. So if you see it, lieutenants, it's spelled Y-A-R-G-U-E-R-A, -E but it's pronounced Jarguera, a state tobacco. The journey of Jarguera. Yasmin, tell me about the journey. The journey started as of November 2015, but it goes back to 1960s when uh, IRS family, the co-founder of Florida Capan, went to Cuba in 1960s and they brought a special seed back from Cuba to Honduras. 
and then they worked on it uh, for a long time, and then they decided to put that seed aside in their bank. And in 2006, our group of the maestros, our master blenders, wanted to come up with an exclusive seed variety. That's when the journey started for us, actually, a couple of years ago. It's like almost six years by now. And then they crossbreeded that original Cuban seed with Criollo 98 to get the best characteristics of each tobacco variety. In 2015, we got the first cr uh, crop, and then our product is going to be available uh, the first week of March. This is going to be a very unique cigar because the wrapper on the Jaguera Ache Upan is going to use the Jaguera shade-grown wrapper, but the filler uses sun-grown. In this wrapper, you can grow it both in the shade as well as sun. That's the beauty of the seed variety. You can uh, both grow it under the sun or under shade, uh, which will have different unique characteristics of a, each technique that, that we're using. This cigar really has been in development with the tobacco for a long time, six years in development, and you've had a number of iterations to be able to get the Jaguera tobacco correct because it really took that long to perfect it. Exactly. It took six years because our quality is number one focus uh, for Altidus USA, and then we wanted to really work hard on this new seed variety uh, to uh, give our consumers the best quality tobacco, which is exclusive to Altidus USA. Now let's talk about the cigar architecture, the wrapper, binder, filler. First, I'm looking at the box. The Jaguera Estate Tobacco box is beautiful. It's a dark brown, beautiful box with gold. And the band is very unique because when you look at the band, it almost is a light tan color with gold. And the only identification of Ache Upman or H. Upman is at the foot of the band. That is correct because we have a great story behind Jaguera. First of all, our new seed variety we are growing in our farms in Honduras. This, uh, the the estate is called Jaguera. So that's where the brand uh, takes its name. And we put a lot of effort behind it. And we wanted to come, come up with something unique and something new to uh, our premium cigar smokers. Now, this is going to be a fuller-flavored cigar, full-bodied. And give me some of the descriptive uh, adjectives that you would characterize this cigar in terms of flavor profile. Um, actually, it's very, it has very unique and sophisticated flowers, but the notes that you, you're getting out of it is coffee, chocolate, and a very special concentrated floral aromas. And the Jaguera will be available the end of February. So that's, uh, we're looking probably at about six weeks. But it's going to be limited based on the tobacco availability. It'll be a regular brand, but you only have enough for a couple of hundred thousand cigars this year. That's correct, but we now uh, started to receive the good news from our factories and from the farms that we're growing Jaguera that we, will, we have a nice crop for the following year. So this is an ongoing product limited to the tobacco quantity that we have for this year, which is not really limited actually because uh, for us it is a big brand and for some of the brands in the market that might be an ongoing project. But, yes, we do have, since it's, it was the first year in 2015, we have limited quantities of tobacco for this year. The plan down the road is to use this great uh, cigar tobacco in some other brands because it is uh, such a unique uh, tobacco, but it's gonna, it'll be based on availability. That's the big question. 
Exactly, but we wanted to meet with our consumers and we want them to try this first seed and first tobacco variety and then we will see what the feedback is from our consumers and then we will think where we can use it. Right. I think the exciting thing about this um, special Jaguera um, tobacco, Dave, is that as we talked about, um, we have both a wrapper tobacco and we have a great filler tobacco. So the possibilities... Um, could be endless, especially when we're talking about utilizing those filler tobaccos to enhance a variety of different blends. And looking at the optimal conditions uh, for the growing of the Jaguera tobacco that you gave me, the average rainfall is 61 inches per year on their farm. The climate is subtropical in lowlands, temperate in mountains, and the average temperature is 75 degrees. So that is optimal, and it's my understanding from your description, the farm is very picturesque. Very picturesque, and we were there actually a couple of months ago, and we had our goosebumps. You know, as soon as we entered the farm, it's very authentic, it's beautifully placed, and then we have the conditions to grow this exclusive tobacco. Right, it's it's really in the mountains of uh, Honduras, uh, the northeastern part of um, Honduras. There is some altitude. Um, I believe the altitude is about three or four thousand feet. So you've got those nice high um, uh, climate temperatures and the, the natural sunshine of the area is just beautiful. And the river passes by the mountains. That's where they get the water. And then, you know, you, those uh, unique characteristics of that estate gives the characteristics of the tobacco. You know where the Florida Copan factory is? It's very fertile and excellent coffee comes right from the, the uh, Santa Rosa de Copan area. Oh, you're right. There's uh, quite a few coffee plantations uh, adjacent to our, uh, our fields and our factory there. The first time I went down there, that's when I learned that coffee actually is a fruit that's grown on a tree. I always thought it kind of like came right directly from the ground, but it's really fascinating. And it's red. looks like a cherry. Yeah, it's, it's a little seed. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's incredible. And they pick it the old-fashioned way by hand. It really is very labor intensive. There's a lot of uh, similar, similarities between very fine coffees and fine tobaccos, the, the hand uh, uh, cultivation, et cetera. So it's, it's very nice that they do grow adjacently. And who knows? Um, I mean, we all enjoy a great cigar and a great coffee, so it's a great... Great combination. It goes perfectly. And it sounds like the Jaguera H-Up, that will go great with coffee because it's going to be a fuller uh, type of cigar. And Yasmin, you're from Turkey originally. You, you love Turkish coffee. That's strong. My mother loves that. That's like, that, you can clean your tires with that. If you're good with me, I can prepare you a Turkish coffee. <laughs> I'll let you. I tell you, that is, my mother loves it. On the little, you know, you make it on the yeah. little metal thing. And, uh, but that is really hearty coffee. And this is a hearty cigar. So I would assume that it would go perfectly together. We've so, actually done that a couple times in the afternoon here in the office. So, yeah. Well, you know what, that you should. I always tell people, have a cigar, have a nice, but you've got to do coffee right. You can't put it in a K-cup, and you can't make it in a Mr. Coffee. you got to make the real thing. I like a French press, or I like to call it a formal press, where it's really very gourmet. So coffee and cigars go hand-in-hand, hand, and there's so many similarities between the climate, the temperature, Mother Nature, just so many different factors. The Jaguera H. Upman comes in how many sizes? And uh, give me the price point for the new cigar. We are going to launch three different sizes. A Robusto, which is 52 by 5. A Toro, which is 54 by 6. And Torbusto, which is 56 by 5. And then the price, MSRP, is between 850 to 925. And only a couple of hundred thousand per year. That'll be available the end of March. And I have one that they have given me, and I will smoke this for the litation ceremony next week on the show. 
Oh, I was going to offer you a Turkish coffee right now after this, and then you can smoke it. Well, why don't you come to Command Center Alpha in Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, and you can prepare it while I do lightation. That will be perfect, and it, it will be pleasure and an honor to join you in Tampa. That will be our pleasure to host you. We will have a uh, lovely time. Because really, we always talk about this, and Janelle, you know this. We've done so many live shows together. I'm trying to think over the last 20 years, I, I can't even, at least 50, 60 and, and the number of people we all see, they, they, they want to have a great time. They love cigars. They love the camaraderie. They love a cocktail. They love their coffee. It's all about fun and pleasure, and that's really what it's all about. It's that simple. You're right. We say that all the time. Yes, we sell and we make great cigars, but we also sell a lifestyle. And the cigar lifestyle is, is one of luxury. It's one of enjoyment and camaraderie. It's, it's great. I've been here for probably the last three hours, and we're talking about all the new products and catching up. And, of course, we had a cigar in hand, and uh, it's so much more pleasurable having a cigar in hand when you're conversing and enjoying a company. That's really what it's all about. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. The story that made the cigar. The cigar that made history. 80 years ago, Monte Cristo began a legacy of crafting only the finest cigars. Now, that legacy is honored by the very special, extremely limited edition Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary Cigar. Crafted for the first time, Dominican Pelotico Tobacco. Grown from seeds hand-carried from Cuba by Pepe Mendez. This exclusive cigar is like no other, rolled in a dark and oily Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. The Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary Cigar features a rich, fuller-bodied, and wonderfully complex smoke. Packaged in an elegant handmade box, these exceptional cigars are available now at your local tobacconist. Honor the legacy with the Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club.
America's Alpha Male with Nads of Steel, the General Cigar Dave. Uh, Janelle Rosenfeld, uh, the Vice President of Marketing for Altadas, and Yasmin Ozanshul, the Brand Manager for Altadas, joining us uh, here from their uh, headquarters in Fort Lauderdale. The Grupo de Maestros, that is a group of your top blenders, your top manufacturers, the top rollers, the top uh, tobacco people. What, about 10, 12 people in that group? Eight great men behind the scenes. How many dames behind the scenes? Come on, Yasmin, you're going to tell me you and Janelle, I know that. (laughs) Part of the group, yeah. We're part of the group, but those are our master blenders. And um, as you remember, we did launch Grupo de Maestro, uh, Monte Cristo private batch, uh, last year. It was limited quantities. We only produced 250 boxes, which is 25,000 cigars. And we had a great success with that. So this year, one of the limited editions that we're going to be doing is uh, private batch number two, which is going to be limited edition as well, and we're going to be launching that um, end of March. Tell me about the size, the flavor profile, price, uh, because it's only one size. It is only one size. Um, this is going to be different than the first one, the size. We're still working on the uh, finalization uh, of the product, but it is going to be a fuller-bodied cigar, a different size uh, than the previous one, and the look of it will be very authentic, like the first one, um, but it is going to be in the market around like um, end of March, and the price range will be, uh, again, similar to the previous one, between 15 to $16. And very limited. Very limited and, of course, a unique blend. This is another special blend that the Grupo de Maestros put together for this particular project. They take great pride in uh, blending all of our cigars, especially this one because, uh, of course, their name's on it. And it has a unique presentation. It's not a typical box. Oh, no, it's not. It's very traditional. We actually use the boxes that we use in our cedar room and the trays that we use for um, sorting our cigars in the packing area. So it's very unique and what's like 500 cigars or 100 cigars? 100 cigars per unit and uh, total uh, production is 25,000 sticks. So the Henry Clay stock cut is now available, lieutenants. The Jaguera H. Upman will be available the end of February. And we've got the new Grupo de Maestros. Grupo de Maestros, Private Batch 2. Private Batch 2, end of March. As Ron Popeil would say, but wait, there's more. And I know there's about four other brands, very limited, uh, and a a brand that will be available on a regular basis. But we'll save that because you're going to be launching that a little bit later on in the year. But I can tell you, lieutenants, there is a ton of great uh, new products coming from Altadas. And, you know, Altadas, I've been to both factories, Florida Copan, I've been to Tabacalera Garcia in La Romana, and what's amazing is it is the world's largest premium handmade factory, but it may as well be a boutique factory because every cigar is made one by one and every cigar is checked for, for construction, for quality, so there's a misnomer that because it's a large factory, it, it, it's you know, made in, in mass, it's not. Oh, no, not at all. Everything's made by hand. In fact, it's, it's fun, Dave. We've, I've actually um, toured a couple of other manufacturers through our factory in TDG, and everyone is amazed. It, we're so large, but yet we do everything with such hand workmanship. And the way we monitor and our construction and our quality control is just amazing. I've seen a, uh, uh, some of my good friends, competitors, walk through the factory with their mouths agape that we can uh, do that, what we do at that level. And you have a humongous 
inventory in terms of quantity as well as financial commitment uh, at, at both your factories, which not too many other companies can uh, duplicate. Uh, and that allows you to create these blend, uh, blends and unique type of, of uh, cigars that nobody else can really get their hands on this type of tobacco, the Jaguera being a perfect example. You're so right, Dave. We have uh, extensive inventory of tobaccos, and that's really one of the fun things that we do at some of these meetings when we get together with a group of de maestros is, is going through our inventory of tobacco, checking out the tobacco, seeing what we've got, even if it's limited quantities, what special projects we can do with this tobacco. Um, it's all aged, it's all beautiful, and, and uh, we're very, very lucky to have access to, to those wonderful stores. And one thing I'm just going to hint at, because I've got the box in front of me, there's a new H. Upman banker coming out. I'll just give you a little hint. It's called the Ingot. And it's very limited, and an ingot is like a gold bar. And it looks like a gold bar. The cigars look absolutely magnificent. It's very going to be very, very limited. But I'll just give you that little hint, lieutenants. You're going to want to take a look at it uh, when it comes out. But a lot of products already working on IPCPR 2016. It just seems like we were wrapping it up in New Orleans just a few months ago. But time moves on, and uh, a lot of great cigars coming your way. Janelle Rosenfeld. Yasmin Ozonshul from Altadas USA, thank you so much for the hospitality. It's always great to see you, and I can't wait to try these new cigars. Long Ashes, Dave. It's wonderful to see you as well. I gotcha. Yasmin, how did you start the interview? I'm always... Right. I love it. That is... You are correct. Lieutenants, we will continue front and center on the Cigar Dave Show. Stand by. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. I am most certainly enjoying my cigar selection today, the El Titan de Bronze Redemption My Way. This would be what a great Cuban should be. And the amazing thing is great Cubans do make these down at El Titan de Bronze in Little Havana. I got another puff here. Hmm. So nice. Notes of spice. Some heft, but very, very smooth. A little silky on the palate. Take a sip of my Corbusier Millennium 2000. Hard to believe. 16 years ago was the new millennium. That is crazy. Take a sip here. Mm. And thoroughly enjoying some great pleasures. America's Alpha Male front and center. We continue our number two. Later in this hour, we'll be joined by Dutch Mandel of Auto Week and AutoWeek.com as we talk the... Detroit Auto Show just wrapped up last week. Welcome back, hour number two, lieutenants. This week I had the opportunity to see 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi. It's been out for about a week. Wanted to see it. Of course, there is uh, there's those that say, oh, it's all Hollywood, it's made up. And there are those that say it's an excellent movie, and I'm one of those in that camp. But I would like to share with you my experience, 
my review of the movie, my take on it, and something that occurred after the movie that I said that I just couldn't help myself and what happened when I said it. First of all, I went into 13 hours with an open mind. I have read the reports of what happened. I'm not, uh, a, 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 as contrary to what the Democrats think, I do not believe this was a strictly political witch hunt. Something very disturbing took place in Benghazi, Libya. A disturbing attack on an American diplomatic compound and then a classified covert CIA mission or CIA facility a mile away. And I read the reports. I watched the hearings. I heard Hillary Clinton say, what difference does that matter? But until you see this movie and you see in real time, in a time lapse of what occurred and when it occurred and how it occurred and just how under attack our Americans were in Benghazi, you, you just don't appreciate, you don't have any appreciation for what truly transpired. The movie was a little long. It was about two hours and 15 minutes. The first few minutes, as they established things, some people thought slow. I thought it was okay. It wasn't overly slow, but it picked up dramatically, and everyone was on the edge of their seat. And this was and is a true story. And that's what people have to remember. If this story, if this movie, 13 Hours, was fiction, people would go in and be riveted. But it was true. So as you're watching this and you are riveted, you keep thinking back that everything that took place was true. And you don't realize the gravity and how under attack the, the Muslim terrorists, attackers, whatever you like to call them, they were organized. This was not, as Hillary Clinton said, and other people in the State Department saying, a spontaneous demonstration. This was a well-conceived, well-planned, well-thought-out, and well-funded mission. When they had ammunition, when they had rocket mortars, this is not something that just took place spontaneously. And it led to the death of Ambassador Chris Stevens, who was somebody that was trying, who, who was trying to be positive and trying to help the Libyans. And it resulted in the deaths of Americans and those Americans, some uh, former Navy SEALs who were working for a private contracting firm. And on the anniversary of September 11th, this attack took place. Again, true story. 2012, three years ago, takes place in Benghazi. Libya was a mess. There was no need for us to invade Libya. Was Muammar Gaddafi a saint? Hell to the no. Was he responsible for, for despicable acts of terror, including the Pan Am Lockerbie bombing? You better believe it. But what happened when he saw Saddam Hussein and Iraq get attacked and, and Saddam Hussein crawling out of a hole? He then immediately put up his hands and said, I'm done. I'm done. Take all our weapons. Take everything. I will comply. I don't want to suffer the same fate. So he uh, discovered religion, as they say. Was there a reason for us to attack at that point? No. Gave us total access to all his munitions and his weapons. 
was getting out of the terrorism business. Again, not a saint, but at least you knew he had his country under control. And so as I watch this in real time, realizing that what first took place, the attack took place around, I think, 4.15, 4.30 Eastern time. So all the major players were in the office. They were in their offices, in the State Department, in the Pentagon, in the White House. They watched. They knew what was going on. This wasn't a case where they had to be awakened at 3 in the morning out of a deep sleep. And yet as you watch this, and the timeline continues, number one, I got more agitated, more irritated as I'm watching our Americans being subject to incredible attack where nobody is responding. And when the call goes out to the State Department that they are under attack, and the State Department then calls the White House, and then eventually the Pentagon gets involved, and the Pentagon says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Some sort of CIA compound in Benghazi. There is no such thing. The military was never informed. Here we are in a hot spot, in in an absolute hotbed of violence, and our Defense Department, our Pentagon, is not told by the CIA that there is a CIA installation. That was a travesty. I understand the CIA wants to keep things secret, but you better tell the people that are going to cover and protect your ass in the event of something going down. And the Pentagon didn't know anything. And then as I'm watching this, our F-16s in Avizano, Italy, do not have any missiles. They end up getting a drone to fly overhead. But there's no missiles on the drone. But they're watching in real time in Washington this attack, all these these hundreds of people around the compounds, setting fire, attacking. They're watching this in real time in Washington, in the Pentagon, in the CIA, in the State Department, and no one does anything. Americans under attack. No one does anything. They are left to fend for themselves. And I'm watching this and I'm getting enraged. Enraged that we're leaving our own Americans to be left for death. And after watching this movie and after seeing what happened, and this is a statement that uh, may be somewhat controversial. People may disagree. I'm sure the people in the White House and the Pentagon and the Defense Department would disagree. But I believe that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton would have preferred the deaths of everyone in Benghazi. That is a truculent statement, I realize. But they would prefer that because there would be no one to tell the story to live, to tell the truth of what happened. I highly suggest you see this. It is factually correct. And the long and short of it is that after massive attack, somehow, some way, they're able to repel the combatants and they're able to get to the airport where the CIA, somebody that worked in the, uh, I think in, in, in Tripoli, was able to somehow pay off an oil company executive and get their jet to transport the CIA personnel out of Benghazi to Tripoli. But the former Navy SEALs, the defense contractors, along with three or four dead bodies, could there was no room for them on that plane, so they had to wait airport for four or five hours. Did an American plane come to take them, to transport them, to get them out? No. 
a Libyan transport plane came in and uh, four or five hours later and transported them. Not once did any American asset go in and attempt to rescue or repel or, or launch a missile or launch some sort of munition from a drone to assist those Americans that were under attack in Benghazi. Never once did an American asset enter that country to help assist them, to protect them, to get them out. It is despicable. It is disgusting. It is repulsive. As an American watching this, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And I was angered at every person who played a part, whether it was the White House, the State Department, the Defense Department, or the CIA. Shame on them for letting Americans die on the vine. And that's exactly what I believe Obama and Hillary Clinton would have preferred. And I was angered after watching this. And again, I had read the Senate report, so I'm not some schmuck, some imbecile that Hillary Clinton and the State Department and the White House would like to talk condescendingly down to saying, this is nothing, this is nothing more than just a political witch hunt. And shame on the Democrats on the committee for turning this into a political, uh, a political item. This isn't a political issue. Put country above politics for a damn change. And shame on the Republicans. For the Republicans put on a horrible presentation. What they should have done is shown a timeline. A clear, easy-to-understand timeline of what happened at what time. And then talk about the results. And then talk about what occurred at each particular time. So the Democrats couldn't say, well, this is specifically only a witch hunt after Hillary Clinton. And they should have brought in everyone in the National Security Council. They should have brought in everyone from the CIA. Anybody that was duplicit in this should have been testified. And frankly, I believe those that were involved in this that did nothing, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, should be tried for treason or as an accessory to murder. And if found and convicted... Uh, uh, suffer the appropriate consequences. That's how angry I was. So as the, sh- the movie ends, where the last of the Navy SEALs, these contractors, leave, the, the theater is silent. As I'm walking down, I hear two people say, this is unbelievable. This, this, this is just, I can't believe what Hillary Clinton said. And something came over me. Where you know I'm not shy, lieutenants. I have no, there's no shyness in my body. I, 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 when I tell you something, when I let it go, I just let it go. And I said very loudly, I think the, I'm not, I don't think I know the entire theater heard it. I said, screw Hillary. That's how angry I was. The entire theater heard it. And by the way, the theater was packed. Maybe sat 400, there was probably 350 people in that theater. Not many empty seats. Within a second after I said that, all of a sudden, applause, people saying, yeah, damn right. The entire theater started uh, cheering and applauding when I said, screw Hillary. But screw Obama, screw Hillary, screw the CIA, screw the State Department, screw the Defense Department, screw everybody that had a hand in allowing it to happen and watched and did nothing. We need a commander-in-chief that would not sit idly by, that would say, I don't give a damn what you got to do. You get assets in there now, pronto. Get everything we've got and get get in there and let's get them out. Donald Trump would do it, not this current commander-in-chief. Lieutenants, please, go see 13 Hours. The only people that panned it, 
of course, were the New York Times and some of the other liberal media. But if you look at it on a factual basis, 100% factually accurate. End of discussion. 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi. Lieutenants, I was, uh, I was uh, certainly overcome with anger and emotion. When you see it, I believe you will too. We will come back right around the corner of the loss of uh, one of the great talents, one of the great uh, bands, rock and roll bands in the United States. Uh, we will talk about that when we continue right around the corner. The January selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is Perla Del Mar by J.C. Newman. It's a smooth, silky smoke with caramel and woody notes ever present. Perla Del Mar has an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper and Nicaraguan filler and binder, giving it a depth of flavor you'll enjoy in Nicaraguan tobacco. Discover life's treasures. Discover Perla Del Mar. It's easy to join the Officers Club to have these cigars shipped directly to you. Just log on to CigarDave.com. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. For both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. Hey, I need to hit the bank before we get on the road. Is it your bank across town? No, no. It's right here. Uh, that's a tobacconist. Yeah, I need to pick up some annuities and currency. Did you knock your head really hard recently? I'm picking up The Banker by H. Upman. Annuity and currency are two sizes. You know I don't understand all that financial mumbo-jumbo. And The Banker is a new cigar made with rich tobaccos inspired by the original H. Upman that was created in 1844 by the Upman brothers, who were bankers by trade. It was given as unique present for their most important clients, and the prize cigar was stored in a vault under lock and key. The only thing my banker has ever given me was a calendar with pictures of his dog dressed as pinup models. It sounds like you need a new banker. 
only if you're talking about the cigar. Purchase The Banker by H. Upman at your local tobacconist today and look for ways you can crack the code to the vault of The Banker by H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Well, tomorrow the AFC and NFC Championship games take place. That means we are two weeks away from Super Bowl 50. And that can mean only one thing. Saturday, February 6th here on the Cigar Dave Show, it is Super Snacks for Super Bowl as we get you ready for the big game with a cornucopia of tremendous food and meat and delicacies and libations. February 6th, lieutenants, noon to 2 Eastern time. It'll take place from the Alpha Pleasure Palace right here in the Cigar City. Captain Paul Colonelange Exo Tim will be down. I believe Puff Muff and Lori will have Portuguese Princess Colleen as well as Voice Talon Ed. They will be front and center on the grills consuming great products. Don't forget, two weeks from today, Saturday, Feb 6th, Super Snacks for Super Bowl. Now this week, lieutenants, really out of the blue, just unexpectedly the announcement that one of the Great members, Glenn Fry, great artist, uh, great member of a great band, the Eagles, passed away untimely at 67. Kind of hit me like a ton of lead bricks. One of the greats as we listen to a well-known song, one of the huge hits of the Eagles. I can tell you I have got my uh, iPhone loaded up between iTunes and Spotify. I've got almost everything the Eagles have. I've got Glenn Fry when he went on on his own. Solo have his great music. And uh, just hard to believe that uh, 67 just passed away and uh, untimely. And this is one of the other songs, and it's appropriate because I'm puffing on my cigar here. The Heat is On. This was one of his first big solo hits. And it was the theme to one of the great movies, Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. I remember the opening scene. Here it is. And that is Glenn Fry, and it's amazing because the Eagles, the biggest selling American band of all time, over 150 million records worldwide. Their greatest hits album from 1971 to the 1975 period shares the top spot with Michael Jackson's Thriller as the best-selling album ever in the U.S. 29 million copies sold domestically, 45 million albums sold globally. And interestingly enough, in the New York uh, Daily News, there was a headline, Glenn Fry's death is sad, but the Eagles were a lousy band. Baloney. When you sell 150 million records worldwide and have that many hits and that last that long, there's nothing lousy about the Eagles. One of the great bands, Glenn Fry, rest in peace. Lieutenants, for our diversion segment, we'll be joining, we'll be joined by Dutch Mandel of Auto Week as we talk the Detroit Auto Show just concluded. Gotta love cars, gotta love speed. We're gonna be able to get into a, a car and have autonomous driving, put it on autopilot. And what were the big 
hits from the Detroit Auto Show. Dutch Mandel will join us front and center around the corner on the Cigar Dave Show as I enjoy my El Titan de Bronze Redemption My Way, my Corvassier Millennium. Don't forget, go see 13 Hours if you haven't seen it, Lieutenants. Guarantee you will find it to be of great interest. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars, info on the show each week, and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. If you'd like to join the alpha male conversational maneuvers, call me during the live show, Saturdays 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-DAVE-007. That's Saturdays 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-328-3007. Defending your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. It's the General Cigar Dave. Well, you may be able to drive your car, or maybe you won't. The latest and greatest from the Detroit Auto Show, and we've been hearing a lot about it, is autonomous vehicles. Vehicles on autopilot. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not so sure. But anyway, joining us front and center is a, a longtime guest, fellow cigar connoisseur, Dutch Mandel of AutoWeek and AutoWeek.com. Dutch, uh, first of all, congratulations on getting out of Detroit with all the weather. Your your connection made it through. I know you're down in, in the south, so welcome to the south. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I, uh, I couldn't be more pleased especially in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure. Although, you know, Detroit, where you are, has had relatively mild winter. Yeah, I don't know about this whole El Nino thing, but uh, I'm all for it. We've had, I think, three inches of snow, so I'm good with that. 
Yeah, Washington's getting 24 inches of snow, and uh, Buffalo and Detroit are like three, four inches. Go figure. A little bit uh, crazy. But anyway, last week in Detroit is the big Detroit auto show. That really starts the auto show circuit, if you will. But usually many announcements are made, a lot of concept cars. After all, Detroit is mm-hmm. still the Motor City. Mm-hmm. So uh, the thing first we talked about is autonomous vehicles. We're hearing about Google cars. We're hearing about GM and uh, I- investing in Lyft, and there are going to be all these automatically driven cars. Is this pie in the sky, or is this something that can come to fruition, and maybe just in limited circumstances? You, you know, Dave, I think that it's, uh, uh, I, I was the biggest skeptic. I am the biggest skeptic. I like to drive. I want to drive. Driving is is this whole sort of visceral pleasure thing for me. But um, the more I think about autonomous vehicles, and the more I take a look at uh, the wankers on the highway next to me looking at their phones while they're driving, the more I want them in the right lane by themselves, not worrying right. about driving. So I can be in the left lane with the hammer down. That's what I really want. And, you know, we've seen technologies that are going to get us there. I don't believe that we will have a fully autonomous vehicle in the next uh, five years in any kind of numbers, but they're going to be out there. They're out there now. Well, and I think the biggest thing is is the GPS mapping of roads and, and obviously working with with uh, streetlights and uh, mm-hmm. getting on and off the highways. But I don't think I think you're going to see it in limited circumstances, meaning it's going to be primarily in in higher traveled routes. You're not going to see it on country roads and, and, mm-hmm. and dirt roads. I think they're, they're obviously they have to have a way to know what lane they're in, how they're going to get on and off, how they're going to stop. So I, I think people are I, 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 here's the, the, the analogy I use it to. Would you like to go and travel in an airplane 100 percent on autopilot with no pilots present in the cockpit that's a that's a great question uh <laughs> and as the answer is absolutely not it's sort of like right. the the drone that was shown at ces uh, a one-man drone yeah no right. that's not going to happen so right. um you know the, the, you're you are right uh uh it will be a long time cars can't read the roads and that's part of the the, it's not just the mapping, but it's also the camera system. What happens when there is snow on the ground and you can't read the lane markers? But we right. do have lane departure warning systems. We do have uh, uh, intelligent cruise control. Those are the kinds of technologies that exist now. Uh, I think that uh, Volvo has said that by 2020, they're going to be doing more autonomous vehicles. I think that that demands that the driver be able to take over. It's not push a button and then say, take me to... Uh, to the gym, it's it's going to be you know some kind of uh, adult uh, uh, behavior and influence. Um, but if we can put the the people who don't care about driving to the right, I think put them in either in a bus or uh, put them in a train, but keep them away from me. Dutch, you talked about technology. You think about it. You get into a car today compared to a car even ten years ago, mm-hmm. where today you've got this big screen that really controls everything your climate control your radio it controls uh the adjustments uh on on different parts of the car it's very very sophisticated it's not like the old days where you had a radio and that was pretty much 
consisted of all your, your electronic components. Uh, but what I have found is that because there's no standard, that you get into different cars that some are simple, some are difficult, and I still go back to the old light switch analogy where it should be as simple as a light switch that when you turn that light switch on, you know the lights are coming on. I just rented a car down in South Florida, and it took me 15 minutes in this Kia to try to figure out what controlled what and how to just uh, you know connect certain things before you even got out the uh, driveway. And I know that that's – I think there's got – down the road, I think we'll probably see some sort of standard to make it simple. Yeah, I guess maybe, although I will tell you, I chuckle at that because I get in and out of a new car every other day. And so you're right. Um, gauges, dials, buttons should be intuitive, and I get more frustrated uh, at, at the manufacturers because it's not my fault uh, that I don't know where the fuel filler release button is, um, but I should, and you're right. The thing I don't want to have happen is I don't want to have uh, the cookie-cutter cars. I don't want them all to be the same. I want them to you know, put the gauges where they're supposed to be. You and I are, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember where there used to be the um, the high beam uh, head, you know, uh, light switch. And then all of a sudden we moved it. I was right puzzled beyond belief. I couldn't figure it out. We learn. We're, we're adaptable. We're smart. We can figure it out. But I, I, I know what you mean by having continuity of, uh, of gauges. Yeah, I think uh, I remember probably one of the first really sophisticated systems was either, I think, Mercedes or BMW. And a friend of mine showed me this system with his knob. And I said, just to change the, the station was a whole ordeal and to change the climate. And it was too almost, it was too cute in that it was yeah. just too sophisticated to use. And obviously things have changed. But I think we'll right. see probably a lot of evolution certainly over the next. But it's here to stay. There's no question about that. So if we look at the Detroit Auto Show, that's the biggie. That right. gets things uh, kicked off. Give us a couple of the big vehicles that, uh, that that made an impact on you and your editors. Okay, well, Auto Week editors choose four vehicles over the course of the major international auto shows. The best in show, the most significant, the best concept, and the most fun. Uh, the most fun is can be any one of a number of vehicles, but primarily there's always power involved. And this year, the editors chose the Ford Raptor. Now you'd th- say, wait a second, the Raptor is has been around for a while, but yeah, they put the uh, three and a half liter twin turbo V6 in this truck and it's uh, getting 411 horsepower and 434 foot pounds of torque uh, with a 10 speed automatic transmission. So there's a lot of fun to be had in that big old truck. Um, the best concept is f- surprisingly from a, uh, from that company talked about earlier, Kia, uh, they did a the Kia Telluride, which is a three-row, seven-passenger uh, sport utility that looks like a marriage between a Volvo XC90 and, um, uh, oh, I don't know, the, a Yukon XL. It's got some crispy edges, things you wouldn't expect from a Kia, and it was it's it's pretty cool. Um, the most significant vehicle is one that we will all know. Um, it's from Chrysler and 30 years ago, a generation ago or more, they developed a minivan. Well, they launched this whole new one and they gave it the Pacifica name. It is aesthetically, it's, it's extraordinarily appealing. Um, they've also launched a Pacifica hybrid, which is something that Chrysler had to do to get into the game. And, uh, they've got some, some real cool technology here. Uh, but it's styled, it's highly styled. 
And our best in show was the Buick Avista. Um, now, how many people, how, how long has it been since we said uh, Buick was the car that we really wanted to, to lust after? It's got 400 horsepower, and it, it is sort of the renaissance of the Riviera. Uh, it's a sexy car and one that uh, our editors love. Uh, that Riviera in its time was an unbelievable car. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I aspired, if I ever made it, I want a Buick Riv. That was a really happening car. And I'm looking at a picture of this new uh, this new Buick Avista. It's a sleek-looking uh, a coupe. Isn't it sexy? I mean, it really is. And um, they the chances are very good that they're going to build this. They were very coy about it. But uh, I happened to be at the launch of this very car ahead of the show, and uh, they took over um, a warehouse in downtown Detroit to get that sort of cool, gritty vibe. And uh, I found it interesting that the the top dog, a guy by the name of Duncan Aldred, who's the general manager of Buick, was um, was entertaining some people from China, and uh, he was fairly deferential. Because they're selling 800,000 vehicles there. And, you know, if the Chinese love this, then the good chance is that we're going to get them too. And there's a good chance that they will be stealing the technology from all these cars as well <laughs> along the way. Sorry, Dave. They've already and, done that. you got to remember. They've done that. You know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we talk about Buick because a number of years ago, General Motors, going back 30, 35 years ago, under Roger Smith, who was an accountant, said, whatever we build, people will buy. And they learned very quickly that that wasn't the case, and it had to go back to styling. And I think GM, over the last, say, 10 years, but specifically maybe the last five has really done a great job because they've differentiated every one of their car lines from Cadillac, which is edgy, to Buick, which uh, is a little bit more curves, to Chevy, which is their bread and butter. But, you know, I run a lot of cars, and a couple of the cars that really stood out, one was, I think, the new Chevy Impala uh, that, I, that I rented, which was, I was shocked that it was a Chevy. I mean, leather seats, it was a really nice-looking car. And the other one, I think, is it the Buick Lucerne, which is their top sedan? Uh, it could be the Lucerne or the Lacrosse. Lacrosse. I think maybe the, the Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Yeah. Lacrosse. I was shocked about a year ago. Uh, I I pull up to the to the uh, Hertz the, my Hertz uh, stall and it it I look at this car and I'm like yeah Buick okay let me check it out. It was an incredible riding car and extremely comfortable and they've got another car that's pretty cool a convertible the 2016 Buick Cascada. Yes, that was a car that they showed um, also at Detroit, and it's coming. It'll be coming this spring. Uh, Buick is, you know, they, they invested, GM invested heavily for Cadillac to re-energize re that brand, and they've done a, an extraordinary job. And as you're absolutely right, it starts with design. And Ed Welburn and his team have done an extraordinary job outside as well as in. Uh, GM has spent $4 billion, I believe, on Buick to actually give it products that are unique to Buick, and they're doing a wonderful job. But 60% of those vehicles for Buick are sport utilities and trucks. If you can imagine that, that's what Buick has come to, but that's what America wants. If we got gasoline at $1.89 a gallon, let's go big trucks. And Yeah, let's and talk. When we could... Will we continue, Dutch? We're going to talk about that because last year at this time, I think was gas was still in the three dollar area, mm -hmm. and it's certainly come down now. I just paid, I think, a dollar eighty four a gallon. But when we come back with Dutch Mandel, the uh, the publisher, associate publisher of 
AutoWeek and AutoWeek.com. We will talk about the impact of gas prices. We'll talk about some other trucks. And we'll talk about the dud of the Detroit Auto Show as we continue front and center on our diversion segment today on the Cigar Dave Show. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. In this difficult and challenging time when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple cap using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy, and you're going to bootleg. And that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it. I promise you're going to love it. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. Cigar Dave's annual Super Snacks for the Super Bowl is Saturday, February 6th at noon Eastern. Get ready for the game, the Alpha Male Way, with cigars, libations, and lots of meat. Get all the details at CigarDave.com. We welcome you back to our diversion segments today. Joining us once again... Dutch Mandel of AutoWeek and AutoWeek.com as we talk the Detroit Auto Show, which wrapped up last week. Dutch, we talked about some of the award winners that AutoWeek handed out, and I've got the uh, the Cigar Dave dud of the Detroit Auto Show. That would be the new Lincoln Continental. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see why that, uh, that would play out that way. I mean, it's really um, evocative of about nine other cars. 
Yeah, nothing special. And if you look at it head on, and you've got, uh, we're going to post this uh, a story about this, but it looks exactly alike, I think, to a Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, we the did a uh, who wore it best sort of body double thing of Jaguar, uh, XJ sedan, and the new Lincoln. Uh, the really interesting thing is that the Jaguar was done by a guy by the name of Ian Callum. Uh, a Scotsman who also did Aston Martins and, and the sports car Jaguars. And the Lincoln was overseen by his brother, Maury Callum. Uh, well, I can tell you the guy that did the Aston Martin, a little bit more talented than the other brother. Because <laughs> I'm looking well, at this Lincoln, and there is nothing, uh, there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing revolutionary. And I watched uh, uh, the the Ford CEO, Mark Fields, who's a pretty sharp guy, Mm -hmm. uh, in an interview in front of the car raving about this new design and the response will be great. And Matthew McConaughey has brought tremendous excitement to the brand. And I'm thinking, what planet is he on? Because I know nobody that goes out and buys Lincolns. They don't have the cachet that they did when you saw some really cool, edgy designs back in the 70s. Yeah, that's a sad thing, isn't it? I mean, they don't have the cachet. Uh, but, you know, to, to Mark's defense, you hope that the president, uh, the CEO of the company, is going to sing high praise for his latest uh, offspring. I think Yeah, that's that, true. Uh, you know, I think that the concept vehicle was even bigger, edgier. Granted, it had like 24-inch wheels. It looked pretty, pretty badass. Um, I'm only really, really hoping that uh, a drive in this car is going to, to you know turn a, that frown upside down um we the last thing that i like to hear is a guy who's been around this business for 30 some odd years is uh when a car gets launched and i you know turn to a chief designer and i say or the head engineer and i said is this everything that you hope to be he said well just wait until the next one i mean you know they just yeah. launched it and I, I haven't heard that yet i can't say that it's there I'm hoping I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I want America, you know, I want it to win. I want I well, want and I think what they, al- this. they almost need to take the Cadillac approach, which is what they did about 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer, 15 years ago, and said, we need to do something radically different. Our brand does not stand out. And they almost need to get a separate team in a separate area, get them away from Ford headquarters in Dearborn and, and just let them go at it and, and come up with something because, Again, the Lincoln, uh, the you know their their crossover, their Navigator, nothing exciting. Yeah, there's been a lot of badge engineering, but it's not just not just at Ford. Every manufacturer right. is, is can be accused of that. Well, one of the uh, exciting uh, products that you had mentioned earlier, and talking about some exciting design, is the Honda Ridgeline pickup. Yeah, I I gotta say I'm really uh, I'm excited uh, about it because it's so conventional <laughs> which is a strange thing to say we've seen a lot of really cool trucks in the last year and a half two years starting with the dodge ram going right to uh the silverado um uh and the the sierra from general motors uh the f-150 with the aluminum uh nissan comes out with a titan and uh, a cummins diesel and everybody who remembers the honda ridgeline which was infinitely forgettable uh remembers that it had those sort of flying buttress sides to it this does not. This is a, it's it's a unibody vehicle. It's built on top of like the Honda Pilot, um, so it's going to ride really comfortably. It's going to get you good gas mileage, but it'll do what it has to do. It's even got a trunk in the bed. Now you ask yourself, how do you do that? Well, imagine you drop the uh, uh, the tail of a uh, a pickup truck, 
and then lift a, you know, I think it's like a 30 gallon trunk. It's ingenious. It's brilliant. It's from the old one, but no one knew that the old one had the trunk because no one paid attention to the old one. This is going to be great for Honda. Dutch will be more impressive is a bed in the trunk. <laughs> so you can sleep in your car and you know have like a big screen TV in there, have a little cooler, you know, have all the amenities that you need. You never have SUV, to leave your vehicle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And speaking of SUVs and pickup trucks, certainly with the price of gas that has come down dramatically, and by talking to a lot of experts that I've spoken to, many of them see this as a fundamental. Uh, radical change in the marketplace, not temporary, just because of the way that America now is 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 pumping out uh, gas and and uh, oil uh, to record levels, and with the new drilling technology, that we're not just reliant on foreign sources anymore. And in fact, uh, the reserves we have in the United States are in excess, I think, of Saudi Arabia. So that has changed dramatically because there's much more supply. So if that is the case, and we've seen people gravitate towards cars and trucks over the last 10 years, obviously that's going to continue. And this is a bigger and bigger component of the, uh, of the auto manufacturer's bottom lines because they're just so much more profitable. You're absolutely right. I mean, and, and I said that 60% of the vehicles in the Buick lineup are trucks. 60% of all vehicles sold in the United States. And let's remember last year, just three weeks ago, the end of the year, we had a record-setting 17.5 or 17.4 million new cars sold. Of those, 60% of them were trucks. Uh, the and, and so long as the energy or the fuel prices stay low, I don't imagine that it's going to stay at the $30 a gallon. I think that, you know, everything I've heard is 30 going to, a barrel. to 40 Okay, but even if it's 40 you're still talking at uh, less than $2 a gallon gas or about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that means more trucks and more profits for the car makers. Dutch, we appreciate you joining us as we uh, reviewed the Detroit Auto Show, and I'm sure as there are new product announcements, we will have you on. And by the way, you're going to be getting a nice box of diamond crowns uh, from uh, my good friends over at J.C. Newman. I know you love cigars. You're going to be playing a little golf where you are, so we've got a little care package coming your way. Fantastic. I look forward to it all. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. All right, Dutch, we appreciate it. Dutch Mandel of AutoWeek and AutoWeek.com. Lieutenants will post links to some of these cool cars that uh, we just discussed. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha.